Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, Mavs fans? Kevin Gray, Mavericks pre and post game host on 97.1 The Freak on the Dallas Mavericks Radio Network. Appreciate you joining me for my latest episode of Inside the Mavs, the official Mavericks podcast of 97.1 The Freak. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts for free. Give it a five-star rating and write a review for it while you're there. Make sure you like and comment on the video if you're watching it on my YouTube channel at Kevin Gray Sports and subscribe there as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin Gray Sports. Unfortunately, the Mavericks had their seven-game win streak snapped at the hands of the Indiana Pacers, 133-111, to as the Mavericks were outscored by 22 points in the final three quarters, 101-79, to after being tied at the end of the first quarter at 32, despite Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving combining in that game for 62 points. They only got 49 from the rest of their teammates as the Mavericks, who started their four-game road trip in Indianapolis, fall by 22 on the road. They are off on Monday before they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers on Tuesday in Cleveland. The Mavericks were looking to extend their win streak to eight games, but did not do so as unfortunately they did not protect the basketball, turning the ball over way too much, not being able to finish really inside or in transition for the most part, and unfortunately some poor shot selection as the game went on really doomed this team. And the question I'm sure some Mavericks fans are having after watching the game on Sunday afternoon against the end of the end of the Pacers, and one that I think can be fair based off of what we have seen from the Mavericks in their previous seven games before, their loss to the Pacers, which is did the Mavericks get exposed a little bit in that game? Several things didn't go well for the Mavericks against the Indiana Pacers, a lot of which had gone right for them during their seven-game win streak. I mean, for example, the Mavericks were number two in defensive rating throughout the course of their seven-game win streak. Not so much when they played the Pacers when they gave up 133 points. And let's be fair, the Pacers came into the game on Sunday as the number one scoring team in the NBA, the best team in terms of one of the best teams in terms of offensive rating in the league. In fact, second in the league in offensive rating 
coming into the game were the Pacers themselves. So you knew things were going to be difficult from a defensive standpoint if you were the Mavericks to try and stop Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner. Miles Turner having a season-high 33 points, including 15 of them in the third quarter against the Mavericks. So number one, you weren't able to deal with the high-flying pace of the Pacers especially in transition when you look at things in the fast break they were outscored were the Mavericks by 16 23 to 7 in the fast break as I mentioned turned the ball over way too much the Mavericks had 16 turnovers in the game which led to 24 pacer points so you didn't protect the ball you got outscored in transition poor shot selection Tim Hardaway Jr. especially as the game went on and you did not have a solution for Miles Turner in the middle and that was one of my big concerns and why there may be a question on whether or not the Mavericks got exposed a little bit. Let's think about it. One of the things that the Mavericks had to do at the trade deadline, which they did, which was get more size and more athleticism, particularly at the center spot. And Daniel Gafford, who has come in and played well for the Mavericks up to this point, was supposed to be able to provide some of that and will continue to provide that. But you saw for Derek Lively in particular in the game against the Pacers, really struggled out in space. You saw what the Pacers were able to do in terms of pick-and-pop situations with Miles Turner being able to knock down shots in the mid-range, occasionally knocking down open three-pointers as well. And there were several other wide-open threes that Miles Turner missed in those situations where the Mavericks allowed too many wide-open looks to the Pacers, who are really good from the corner in terms of knocking down the three-point shot. So when you saw how much the Mavericks were struggling in terms of dealing with Miles Turner in space, Derek Lively in particular, then you couple that with the turnover problem. P.J. Washington, who I thought played his worst game so far as a Dallas Maverick, really contributed to the turnover problem with sloppiness, especially turning the ball over in the backcourt, bad passes out in transition, not being able to convert in the fast break. The team just felt completely off. And one of the things that you and I have talked about and will continue to talk about with this team as they are now eighth in the West after losing to the Pacers on Sunday, now this team, the Mavericks, will experience the best shot every single night from every opponent that they face down the stretch. Well, you say, Kevin, the Mavericks got a top five player in Luka Doncic, a top 15 talent in Kyrie Irving. They were already getting teams shots in night in and night out. But one thing that you do, especially the climb that the Mavericks had made all the way up to sixth as far as the West was concerned going into Sunday, now you're on everybody's radar. Everyone is looking at you and trying to make sure that they bring their A game night in and night out. And you saw that from the Pacers on Sunday afternoon and the way that they were able to push the pace against the Mavericks. And it's not like the Mavericks can't play an up-tempo style of game. This was a team coming into the game that's top 10 in pace. So you know that the Mavericks can get up and down the floor. But when you play against Indianapolis, or excuse me, the Indiana Pacers in Indianapolis as they were on Sunday, they really like to push pace against you and really love to get up and down the floor. And you saw how they were able to convert in transition, whether it be Tyrese Halliburton finishing in the fast break, them being able to finish on the secondary break as well. The Pacers really turned up the pace, yes, pun intended, on the Mavericks and really put them in a bind, especially getting back in transition. Let's take a quick break here on Inside the Mavs, and let's hear from today's partner of our video today as our sponsor, Aura, brings us this message on Inside the Mavs. 
Today's video is brought to you by Aura. Do a Google search on your name and email address to see how much information comes up about you. I was devastated by the amount of information that I could be seeing searching my name and profile, and I knew then I needed to be protected for not just myself, but also for my family. Data brokers sell your information to scammers, spammers, and anyone else who may want to target you. Your full name, email, home address, health records, your relatives, it's all out there. That's why I've been using Aura, the sponsor of today's video. Aura shows me which data brokers are selling my information and automatically submits opt-out requests for me. Cleaning up my information not only helps reduce the amount of spam I get, but it protects me from hackers who could use this information to help them access my social media accounts, bank accounts, and other sensitive information. Aura also does so much more to protect me and my family from online threats that I can't see. It's really easy to set up, so I don't have to download several different apps to get things like antivirus, VPN, password management, parental controls, identity theft insurance, and more. I get everything at one affordable price. You may already have one of these tools already, but not having Aura is like locking the front door and leaving the back door wide open. Aura is always on, doing the hard work to protect me and my family so I can focus on other tasks with peace of mind. I value my privacy and I value yours. You can go to Aura.com slash Kevin Gray to start your two-week free trial. Please see the link in the description. Back here on Inside the Mavs. Appreciate you hanging out with me through that quick break as we heard from our sponsor to, from today's video in Aura. The Mavericks falling by 22 points to the Indiana Pacers on Sunday. Look to get back in the win column when they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers on Tuesday night. And we were talking about the pace at which the Indiana Pacers played against the Dallas Mavericks and something that the Mavericks would have to contend with going into that game, which was not a surprise given the way that the Pacers like to play. But nonetheless, the Mavericks have got to find a way to ensure that that's not something that they continue to have to deal with and making sure that, number one, they protect the basketball. As I mentioned, they had 16 turnovers in the game, in a game where the Mavericks only had 15 assists, which was a season low for them as a team. So not only were you not valuing the basketball, you weren't sharing the basketball on the other end either. And that gets to some of the shot selection that you saw from the Dallas Mavericks in Sunday's game. In particular, you look at Tim Hardaway Jr., who struggled in the game himself. Tim Hardaway in 23 minutes going 4-12 from the field was a negative 14 and had only 11 points in the game. And there were plenty of points in that game where shot selection was a major question. And when you look at the way that he's played, when you go back to that January 29th game that he had against the Orlando Magic, where he scored 36 points, Tim Hardaway Jr. since then is averaging only 11 points per game, shooting well under 35% when it comes to shooting from the field and really not shooting the ball great from three either when you look at what he's done. So the struggles that he's had in the games since that 36-point outburst really give you pause and concern, and I want to make sure I give you the specific number on that to give you a better idea on what we're talking about. Tim Hardaway Jr. in 10 games, as I mentioned, since scoring the 36 points in that win over the Orlando Magic back on January 29th, 11.1 points per game, 34.2% from the field, just 31.9% from three, and is a negative 1.1 in terms of his plus-minus in those 10 games. And there have been calls for a guy like Jaden Hardy to get more minutes. Jaden Hardy, in pretty much mop-up time, was 3 of 6 from the field, had 7 points in 8 minutes of play. 
But even prior to the game against the Pacers, you had seen how Jaden Hardy was starting to come along, being a little bit more comfortable in terms of his role and knocking down shots from the outside, but also being able to be a little bit more of a playmaker. And that's where things start to go awry with Tim Hardaway Jr. Sometimes when he's taking ill-advised three-pointers and not taking the catch-and-shoot opportunities that he's particularly good at. When he's shooting those catch-and-shoot threes, we know that Tim Hardaway has been really good for this team. And that's where we have to kind of pump the brakes a little bit because I know fans right now are upset with Tim Hardaway Jr., the way that he's played. As I mentioned, we detailed the numbers over the last 10 games and what he's done. But what you're going to need down the stretch is a Tim Hardaway that was a guy that was a sixth man of the year candidate during the early part of the year. My point being, you're going to need TH Day down the stretch in order to win and get to where you want to go and being in the top six. So right now, the THJ experience that we're experiencing isn't necessarily the good version. And I think that's what for Mavericks fans who have watched this team, who cover this team and experience what they have seen from the Mavericks over the last few years with Hardaway on the squad is the up and down uneven nature with his play. He's a streaky shooter. When Tim Hardaway is on, he's one of the best knockdown three-point shooters in the league today. But at the same time, when he's off, things go awry for this team. And you have seen, unfortunately, the bad part of the THJ experience over the last 10 games. He will obviously need to come out of this slump to really be a part of this team. And when you look at some of the numbers, you say, Kevin, you detailed the last 10 games. The Mavericks in those 10 games were on a seven-game win streak in the middle of those 10 games, which may be indication that the Mavericks were playing this well without the services of Tim Hardaway, to which I say, factually, yeah, you're right. But at the same time, if this team wants to have the kind of depth that we've lauded for them since they've acquired P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford, Tim Hardaway Jr. has got to be solid off the bench for them and being able to be that 17, 18, 19 point a guy a night for this team to ultimately be successful. So right now we're on the downs turn of the Tim Hardaway Jr. roller coaster, not something that you and I want to be riding on particularly right now. But that's where we are, and hopefully he will start to come out of some of that as the rest of the season goes on because down the stretch they're going to need his ability to shoot from three off the bench and be able to provide you instant offense as a part of that second unit. Now you look back at the game against the Pacers, the Mavericks were able to pull it within four at the beginning of the fourth quarter where Kyrie Irving went on a personal 9-0 run to get it within four, but the Pacers went on a 20-4 to run to open up a 20-point lead with about 4.15 left in the fourth quarter, and it was pretty much over from there, obviously. It took too long for Kyrie Irving to get going. He got them back into the game, but it was a little too little too late. Luka Doncic, who had his 33 points, was able to help keep the Mavericks in it as the game went on, but the Mavericks were just simply not able to deal with what the Pacers were doing, not only from a breakneck pace standpoint, not being able to handle Miles Turner in the middle, but just too many wide-open looks for the Pacers to be able to knock down, especially as the game went on from three, and that's where they really started to put it away in the fourth quarter. So did the Mavericks necessarily get exposed? I don't necessarily think so. When you look at some of the concerns that this team has had throughout the course of the year, what have you and I been constantly talking about? Can the Mavericks play average defense to be able to put themselves in position to be in the top six, possibly the top five of the West 
by the time we got to years in, they did not play that kind of defense against the Indiana Pacers on Sunday. But prior to that, they had been doing so. We mentioned it a little bit earlier, the way that they had been playing on the defensive end. We know that the offense will not be a problem for this team. The question will be offensively, as we have looked at it now, can P.J. Washington be much better from the three-point line? You saw the difficulty that he had against Indiana. My man went one of six in 30 minutes, was 0 of three from downtown, only had two points, and was a negative 17. But most importantly, he had four turnovers. Not being able to finish with good crisp passing in transition, being a guy that turned the ball over in the backcourt, which led to an easy Pascal Siakam basket early on in the game. Washington has got to be able to come along on the offensive end. Defensively, he continues to display activity. He had a couple of steals in the game, and prior to the game against Indiana, my man had a defensive rating of just a shade under 96. So you've seen the length, the athleticism, the defensive intensity and effort that he's brought, but now he's got to balance some of that out with his ability to knock down shots from the outside because he's going to continue to get wide-open looks especially from the corners where you've seen a guy like Josh Green, who is shooting the ball with a lot of confidence right now, really be taking advantage of those opportunities when he's had the ability to do so. Josh Green in the game in 32 minutes, went six of eight from the field, was two or three from downtown, had 14 points, five rebounds as well. A lot of activity from Josh Green throughout the course of that game. But Washington, if he's going to continue to be in the starting lineup alongside with Green and Derek Lively, Luca and Kyrie, Washington really has to provide that knockdown shooting and improve on that to really make teams pay for leaving him wide open. We talk about it all the time when it comes to Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. They're going to be able to create for themselves and for their teammates. It's going to be up to their teammates to knock down open threes and to do so at a consistent rate. P.J. Washington so far has just simply not been able to do that at the kind of rate that you've wanted him to. And if he does start to do that, that yet adds and yet another dimension to this office that the Mavericks desperately need when it comes to another guy being able to knock down shots from the outside. So for the Mavericks, as they move forward now, taking on a Cleveland Cavalier team that's been one of the best in the Eastern Conference, has a superstar and a guy in Donovan Mitchell, the Mavericks will need to regroup. And look, I want to touch on Derek Lively for a second here as well. You saw Derek Lively struggle out in space. Miles Turner really beat them up in pick-and-pop situations. His ability to knock down mid-range jumpers really got after the Mavericks, both really Derek Lively and Daniel Gafford. When you look at what Derek Lively has been doing, he's been sensational so far in his rookie year. Hopefully, you're not seeing him hit a potential rookie wall here because he's going to be dealing with some of the best centers in the league, when you start looking at guys like Jared Allen, you saw what Miles Turner was able to do, and then just taking it simply to the Western Conference, obviously dealing with a Carl Anthony Towns and a Rudy Gobert, dealing with a Nikola Jokic, dealing with some of the best centers and big men in the game, Lively will have to continue to come along and be able to close out better in space because you saw how they picked on him, having him show and recover, and he did not show the recovery that he needed to, especially trying to get out on a guy, Miles Turner, who can knock down shots from the outside, and you saw how he was able to make them pay time and time again, whether it be in the mid-range or occasionally from the three-point line. So for Derek Lively, he's 
got to be much better in closing out in space. He has the athleticism and the quickness to be able to do so. Now it's about reading and recognizing those situations, especially when you're dealing with the kinds of shooters that are guys like those big men that can knock down shots from all over the spots on the floor. Miles Turner being one of those guys that particularly can knock down shots from a variety of spots on the floor. So going forward for the rest of the year, that's something that Derek Lively has got to improve on, but you're hoping that he's not hitting that particular rookie wall where in the game against the Pacers, he went two of three, only played 14 minutes, had four points, was a plus nine when he was in there, but only had three rebounds in the game. You got to have a lot more activity if you're going to be Derek Lively on the floor in those situations based off of what they were trying to do. Now for the Mavericks, though, you look at what they've got to improve on in terms of what they did not do well defensively. We've talked about the Tim Hardaway Jr. issue a little bit. Do we need to see Jaden Hardy getting some more of those minutes based on the struggles that THJ has been having over the last 10 games? How Jason Kidd has to figure some of that out will be interesting going forward. And also the health of this team as well. We learned on Monday that Josh Green dinged up his elbow a little bit, but he is listed as probable and should be good to go when they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers on Tuesday. It looks like Dante Exum will continue to remain out with his right knee injury that he's dealing with as well. So for Dante Exum, hopefully at some point, because Jason Kidd said prior to the beginning of this road trip that maybe we would be able to see Dante Exum back with this rotation during this road trip. That is still a possibility as he practiced on Monday, but still waiting for Dante Exum to come back. And you saw how well he was playing earlier on this year, being able to knock down shots from the three-point line, providing another ball handler as well in that second unit and at times in the starting lineup. But now the Mavericks appear to have their starting lineup solidified with Josh Green, P.J. Washington, Derek Lively in the middle, and, of course, Luka and Kyrie running things from an offensive standpoint. So for the Mavericks, they've got to find a way to get healthy, continue to remain healthy, but have other guys be able to come with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. As I mentioned, you got 62 points from your superstars. Since February 5th, those two are averaging together. I'm talking about Luka and Kyrie averaging over 58 points per game. You're going to get the scoring that you need from Luka and Kyrie, but you've got to get other guys to be able to support them in terms of the scoring load. Josh Green had 14 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 11 points. Those were the only two guys outside of Luka and Kyrie in double figures, and that team combined for just 49 points outside of Luka and Kyrie's 62. That's inexcusable for a team that has much, as much firepower as it does on the offensive end. That's where we talk about P.J. Washington being able to knock down some of those outside shots. Tim Hardaway Jr., better shot selection and being able to hit some of those three-pointers, especially on catch-and-shoot opportunities that he has and has the ability to do something we've seen throughout the course of his time with the Mavericks. All of those things have to come together, but I'm not necessarily hitting the panic button because, look, the Mavericks weren't going to win every single game coming out of the All-Star break. It simply wasn't going to happen. The winning streak was going to come to an end at some point. But one thing that I've talked about on this show is, are you seeing the things from a habit standpoint, from a consistency standpoint, that lends you to believe that no matter who they play, those things would travel? And what are the things that we've seen from the Mavericks during the course of their seven-game win streak? Defensively, playing extremely well. 
being able to create havoc in terms of their activity and getting up and down the floor in transition by getting steals, getting deflections, and allowing their defense turning into offense. There were too many times in the game against Indiana where the Mavericks started to hang their heads when they weren't knocking down shots from the outside, which did not allow them, or they decided not to get back on defense and in transition. And against the Pacers, you simply cannot do that against them. It's a team that loves to get out on the break and punish you in transition, and that's exactly what the Pacers did time and time again in the game on Sunday. Those things we had started to alleviate from the conversation when it came to the Mavericks, but you saw that kind of creep up against the Pacers on Sunday. So for the Mavericks, get back to cleaning up the turnover issue that you had against the Pacers because the Mavericks coming into the game on Sunday, one of the best teams in the NBA in protecting the basketball. They have been a team that has limited the turnovers, only averaging around 13 turnovers a game so far this year. One of the best in the NBA. In fact, top five in the NBA so far this year. You were not able to do that against the Pacers. Not only that, you got crushed in transition. That cannot happen. You've got to sprint back on the other end to deal with another team's pace the way that the Pacers were able to do so. But most importantly, you've got to have better shot selection down the stretch. You've got to have P.J. Washington start knocking down outside shots to create extra pressure on opposing defenses. And most importantly, most importantly, other guys have got to support Luka and Kyrie from a scoring standpoint because the load that the two of them are going to have to continue to shoulder for the rest of the year is going to be an immense one. And as much as Kyrie was able to get them back into the game in the fourth quarter, having them down by just four points where you thought the, the momentum of the game started to swing toward the Mavericks by the way that Kyrie Irving had pushed them with that personal 9-0 run, they were not able to sustain it as the Pacers were able to really take it to them, knocking down shots. Again, some of those buckets that the Pacers had came off of turnovers, off of poor shot selection that led to three-pointers and open ones for the Pacers. So there's a lot to clean up from that game, and Jason Kidd talked about it after the game as well. When Kyrie Irving is going, especially the way that he was in the fourth quarter, you have got to continue to feed him because we know that Kyrie is one of the best closers in the sport, and he was simply not given that opportunity because of poor decisions with the kinds of shots that the Mavs were taking, particularly, as I mentioned earlier, with Tim Hardaway Jr., and that simply cannot be the case when you're trying to win a game where the Pacers were beating you in a number of different ways, especially in transition. So the Mavericks have got to work on some of those things, but I'm like I said earlier, I'm not hitting the panic button for this Mavericks team. I'm not going overboard in terms of the reaction with Tim Hardaway Jr. The numbers are what they are, but he's going to have to be counted upon down the stretch no matter how you may feel about him right now and the current state that he's playing with on this team, when we get deep into the rest of the regular season and into the postseason, he has got to be a factor for them the way that he was when he had a 40-point game combining with Kyrie Irving for over 80 points and a win over the Pelicans. The 36-point game that I mentioned back at the end of January against the Orlando Magic where the Mavs were able to win that game by two at home, and they needed every bit of those 36 points from Tim Hardaway Jr. F fans are upset. I get it. I'm a low-key upset about it as well with the way that he's playing, but he's got to find it and be able to get us back on the positive side 
of the THJ experience because right now we're simply on a downturn for him at this particular point. But the Mavericks right now, as it stands, a team that's 33-24, and 15-11 and 11 away from the American Airlines Center, continues their road trip on Tuesday when they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers and a chance to bounce back against a really good team. We talked about it going into their post-All-Star break schedule. They've got the 10th easiest schedule in the league with their opponent's win percentage at 495. That doesn't mean, though, that you can play the kind of sloppy play that you had against the Pacers and think you're going to get away with it because these teams are coming to deliver their best shot night in and night out, and teams who may not necessarily have much to play for are going to be looking to spoil some of those opportunities. Cleveland, obviously not one of those teams because they've got a lot to play for in the Eastern Conference in terms of what they're trying to do to improve their seeding. But some of these other teams that you're going to be looking at down the stretch won't have much to play for. You've got to find the wins where you can have them. And last thing I'll say on this when it comes to the Mavericks, too, they've done a really good job this year beating up on bad basketball teams or teams that have had guys that have been out. You looked at part of that seven-game win streak that they had. They beat up on a Philadelphia 76ers team that had no Joel Embiid. The Nets, not a very good team at all. The Knicks, when they were not having Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson, they had a lot of their main guys out. They were able to win on the road in New York. They beat, of course, a bad Wizards team. They beat a bad San Antonio Spurs team as well. We saw the two best wins that they had during that seven-game win streak when they beat up the Oklahoma City Thunder by 35. And then, of course, they opened up the All-Star break, uh, post-All-Star break, I should say, by beating the Phoenix Suns. We know they're capable of beating good teams. Now they've got to do that down the stretch as well because you saw how quickly things can shift and change in the Western Conference. The Mavericks came into the game on Sunday sixth in the West. They had a chance to get as high as five, but they also, with their loss, dropped all the way to eight. That is the kind of movement that can happen by simply losing one game. That's why you've got to quickly put behind the loss that you had against the Indiana Pacers and quickly turn it around to hopefully beat the Cleveland Cavaliers because a two- or three-game losing streak can have you going from a top-five spot in the West maybe into the eighth or ninth spot in the West. That is how tight and how close things are in the Western Conference. Every single game matters down the stretch, obviously, but it's magnified that much more given the positioning of the Pelicans, of the Suns, of the Warriors, of the Lakers, of the Sacramento Kings as well. All of these teams, along with the Mavericks, fighting for position in the West, you simply cannot have games like you had against the Indiana Pacers and expect yourself to finish in the top six of the Western Conference. Again, that's the importance that I stress with a loss like this and how quickly you've got to dismiss it and turn around and get back to winning because we know how treacherous things are in the Western Conference and how treacherous they will continue to be for the rest of the regular season. But the Mavericks fall 133 to 111 on the road to the Pacers. They get back on the floor on Tuesday against the Cleveland Cavaliers, looking to start a new win streak as they are in the middle of their four-game road trip. That'll do it for this episode of Inside the Mavs. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Kevin Gray Sports. You can also catch me every Mavericks game, game day pre- and post-game host duties on 97.1 The Freak on the Dallas Mavericks Radio Network. Make sure you like and comment on this video as well. If you're watching it on my YouTube channel or if you're listening to the podcast, 
Download and subscribe to the podcast inside the Mavs, wherever you get your podcast for free. Give it a five-star rating. Write a review for it while you're there. I really appreciate the latest ratings and comments that you're dropping in, not only on the YouTube channel for the videos, but also for the podcast as well. I see them. I appreciate you and continue to drop those in there. It means a lot as we try to continue to bring up everything that we do for you here on Inside the Mavs. My name is Kevin Gray, Mavs pre- and post-game host for 97.1 The Freak. This has been Inside the Mavs. I'll talk to you later. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.